So we're going through Paul's letter to the church at Philippi over these last few weeks, and it's been a great celebration of how it helps remind us that following Jesus is worth it. Following Jesus with all of the um, times that that's a struggle, all of the times that sometimes that's difficult is clearly worth it. We've talked a little bit about how it, we need to live lives worthy of the gospel to, to make it worthy of who we are. Last week, we talked a little bit about uh, how it is we need to imitate the humility of Christ. And today we're gonna to talk about what it means to grow in perfection. And I know that's a strange term. I'm hoping I can give you a good word today to help us better understand that. But as we've learned from Paul, we recognize that there's great dividend, great payoff, if you will, for this following of Jesus, right? This dividend is everything from joy and contentment to abundance and fullness in life. And so this great letter from Paul is powerful to help us know how worth it it is to follow Jesus. Now I want you to remember, Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's literally been beaten, he's been shackled, he's been stripped, and yet he's able to say to the Philippian followers of Jesus, it's worth it. It's worth every travail I've gone through, it's worth every concern that I have, it's worth every detail of following Jesus. And so man, when we hear this phrase, it's worth it, and we reflect on what Paul has been through and what he currently is in the midst of when he writes this letter, I hope you can imagine how worth it it really is. It's a powerful, powerful gift to follow Christ. Well, I wanna share a story from one of our church members. You actually heard from him a couple of weeks ago uh, when he told you how grateful he was, and certainly we are, about your generosity with our military support packs. Well, he tells a further story about how some of the contents of those packs helped him follow Christ in such a way that he really knew that it was worth it. Alex Pippett is his name. Uh, he's a former military personnel in the Army. And man, he just has a powerful story to share with you about how he discovered how worth it it was to follow Christ and to share that good news with others. Hear Alex's story now. So my name is Alex Pivot. Um, I've been a member here at Treach for the last 12 years. Um, lived in the area for the last three. Um, but before that, I was actually in the Army for eight years. So in 2012, myself and a group of 11 other people were chosen to deploy to Afghanistan to support the Afghan police um, in a district called Urzgan. So around the time that I deployed to Afghanistan, I had been running a Bible study for about two years, and I figured a group of 12 guys, I don't have any reason not to talk to these guys about Jesus Christ. With Treach's help, I was able to get a Bible study started. Treach sent us 12 Bibles, all with our names on them, which I thought was very generous. Um, and even the atheists on our team, I was like, you can't throw this away, it's got your name on it. So he gladly took it as well. It was really uplifting to me because one of the guys named Jesse had said that his father was a preacher, but he hadn't connected personally with Christ in a long time because of his dad. Um, but he had acknowledged that he knew Jesus was his savior and it would probably be a good time to you know, start building his relationship with Jesus again. So it was a really positive outcome. The next day, we actually ended up going on one of our first missions. Um, we didn't need the entire team because we were even just setting up our office space. So out of the six people in my Bible study, five people were selected to go out, and myself and the other six stayed behind, and I remember we were just setting up chairs. 
um, when we got the news. Um, the rest of our team had actually gotten hit by a suicide bomber. Two of our friends had died and two others were injured. Um, and one other had escaped, but had, um, had suffered a concussion. Jesse was one of the, the people that were killed, um, along with Tobias Alexander, who's all on our team and in the Bible study as well. So um, it was a pretty sad day when you go from having this uplifting Bible study to, to losing friends around you. So I think the thing that really struck home the, the fact that, that this whole thing was worth it was just the fact that we were going into a very dangerous place. Um, I had 11 other guys around me and I wanted to make sure if I was going to be with these guys for a year that they knew that I thought they were worth it. I just think the biggest thing to reiterate is like we never know how much time we've got here on earth and we, we do have a choice with what we do with our time. Um, people are worth it, um, especially in this very charged age of pandemics and politics and anything else, but we're all human beings and God calls us to love one another, so that's what we gotta do. Isn't that an amazing story? How he was able to share the love of Jesus with people simply through a sharing of the gospel and of helping somebody literally come to know Jesus. What a powerful gift it is. It really is worth it to follow Jesus. Well, as we continue through Paul's letter uh, to Philippi, we, re we realize in the third chapter that he's beginning to unveil for us a powerful story about how faith is a journey, not a destination. I want to say that again. Paul helps us to better understand how faith is a journey, not a destination. And he's going to reveal to us today how once he finally realized that, how it changed both his life and how it helped him to convey that message, not only through this letter, but several of the letters he would write to those early faith communities. So Paul is describing in the third chapter how uh, when he finally made the decision to follow Jesus, how he began to recognize that everything that had preceded that led him to that decision. Everything, even when he was a persecutor of the church, when he was a, a follower of the Pharisaic tradition, when he did everything that, had, that went against faith, all of that led him to when he finally claimed faith. And then it re he realized there was even more to come. And that's where we find ourselves in the third chapter of Philippians, where Paul begins to describe for us how this journey of faith has transformed who he is. So listen to what he says in this third chapter about describing his journey. He says it this way, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, meaning everything he, he knows he needs to, everything that he knows he's uh, supposed to achieve. I, I don't say that I've already achieved these or that I have already reached perfection. Hold on to that word. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the upward prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Man, Paul has this powerful phrase, right? I, I press on to possess that perfection. Oh, man, that's a hard phrase, isn't it? 
What in the world is Paul talking about? Well, first let's just talk about, um, he recognizes this journey, right? Everything that's gone before me has led me to this place and everything that's yet to come is gonna help guide me towards that perfection. And he says, I just keep pressing on. I keep working towards that prize is really kind of the phrase he used, isn't it? I work towards the gift of what that perfection will become. Well, so, Golly, what does that even mean? How, how can we achieve this? How can this even work? Perfection. And most of us are thinking in our minds, right? Without fault, uh, without sin, uh, perfect as you might see some pristine uh, thing in nature or something created that it was perfect in every dimension. I want to suggest it's not quite that way. It actually looks quite different, but it's helpful for us to better understand I want you to also know Paul's not the only one who talks about this perfection thing. And there are several folks, not the least of whom is Jesus, who talks to us about what perfection is. I want to reflect on a couple of scriptures that claim this for us, in fact. So you might recall in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus is describing what it means to be God's follower. And, and he says, literally, uh, you've got to be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. <laughs> Ooh. And most of us read that or hear that maybe if somebody's reading it and we think to ourselves, there's no way. And we just kind of write it off. There's no way I'll ever be perfect like God is perfect. Why should I even try? Why should I even think about that? I want to challenge you to consider it because it's a part of what Paul is talking about. Jesus' brother, James, who would write his own book and, and be a leader in the early church, put it this way. So let it grow. Here, James is referring to faith. Let your faith grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Well, that'd be a good place to be, wouldn't it? Needing nothing, perfect and complete. Hear it, Jesus is saying these words, James is saying these words. Even the writer of the book of Hebrews would tell us this in the sixth chapter. Therefore, let us move on toward perfection. And he would begin to describe what that perfection was. So golly, this is a profound concept, isn't it? There's a whole bunch of people, not just Paul, who were talking to us about this perfection. Jesus, his brother James, the writer of Hebrews, Paul himself to the Philippian Christians. Man, there's gotta be something to this, right? It can't just be something we pass off. It can't just be something we write off and say, golly, that's not possible. Therefore, I'm not even gonna try. I wanna suggest we can. I wanna suggest it's possible. And I wanna suggest that's why Paul was calling the Philippians and you and me to this. So part of what we realize right off the bat is, clearly this is a scriptural concept, right? We've just highlighted four different passages. There are actually two or three more that describe this same concept in the New Testament. And therefore, it's something we've got to better understand. It's something we must try better to live into. Also want to tell you this, it's also heavily a part of the Wesleyan tradition of which we are a part as Treach Memorial United Methodist Church. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement and John Wesley believed fully in this concept of perfection. So much so he would write many sermons on it. He would make it a cornerstone of our doctrinal theology within our tradition. And it's something that we as clergy, when we're ordained, we actually have to answer some questions around it that may, it may startle you. 
I mean, when we go through an ordination process, we have to answer questions not only like, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? But there are these two questions that every time uh, a con an ordinand has to answer, they, we all get a little bit nervous. And uh, those questions are these. Are you moving on to perfection? You gotta say yes. And as if that one were not hard enough, do you know what the next question is that follows after it? Do you believe to become perfect in love in this lifetime? If you don't say yes, you can't be ordained. Friends, every one of us had to answer those two questions, and I believe it's possible, as did John Wesley. And so what does all this mean then? How, how can we possibly understand how to live into this? this perfection. We've got to move on towards perfection. Paul tells us that we need to move toward the possession of this perfection. What does it mean? Well, I'm going to try to explain that to you now. So there's this interesting, fascinating Greek word that in all four of those texts I reminded us, in uh, Matthew, in James, in Hebrews, and certainly here in Paul's letter to the Philippians, it's the word teleo. Teleo is the word that's been translated as perfect. Teleo uh, means to be complete or maybe whole or finally spiritually mature. This is what Paul is trying to call us to. Uh, you can think about completeness in this way. Look, when I complete a puzzle, you might feel like it's perfect, but it, it may not be perfect as in without flaw or without fault, but it's simply complete. I, I can also be complete when I am fully at my best but I may not be without flaw. I may not be without uh, dimensions that are wrong, but I can be complete in my relationship with God. And I can clearly be spiritually mature. That is to say that I'm working toward becoming closer to Jesus, that I'm working on my relationship, that I'm striving after that, right? And in that struggle, in that striving, I can become more complete or whole, teleo. That's what Paul was saying. He wasn't saying, I'm going to be without sin. He wasn't saying that somehow we're going to be in every, in every way and in every format without any kind of frailty. But rather, he was saying, we can grow in this relationship. Here's how I know that. If we were to take one more verse in the passage of Philippians in chapter 3, if we went on to verse 15, look what it says. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Spiritually mature is the word teleo. It's the same word that just in the previous passage, Paul had said, you've got to become perfect. You've got to move on towards that perfection. Teleo. What Paul is calling us to is not a static faith, not to remain where we were the day we proclaimed Jesus, not to stay in that same understanding, but rather to grow in love with God, to grow in an understanding of how I can love other people. You see, what Paul is imploring us to do is to grow spiritually mature, to not stay the same. You know, if some of you may have grown up in the church, I know we don't all have that experience, but if we grew up in the church and maybe we went to Sunday school as a kid, we, we cannot remain the same as we were in third grade Sunday school class. We cannot remain the same as we were as teenagers. Look, this happens to us in life as well, right? Even outside of faith. 
we grow from childhood to adolescence, into adulthood, into middle age, into old age. All Paul is saying is, just as we do physically, chronologically mature, so we must also teleo. We must grow spiritually in our relationship with Christ. That's what perfection means. It's an old archaic concept in terms of that word, but it's a powerfully relevant concept for us today. It's why our mission statement here at Treach is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We don't want to just start in one place and know that He is our Lord and Savior and, and never grow or change or more for, or, or, or have any kind of dynamic growth ever. We want to keep going. And a part of what Paul is claiming for us is there's a highfalutin word here that I'm going to share with you called sanctification or holiness. And sanctification simply means growing in grace. That as a follower of Jesus, I must continue to better understand who He is, what He means in my life, how I can live for Him every single day, how I can help other people do that. We want to become holy. Now, not holier than thou, not self-righteous, not somehow thinking I'm better than another. You know what holiness simply means? Holiness simply means that I'm set apart for God's work. Not set apart to be better than, not set apart somehow to be holier than thou, but rather I'm set apart to do what God calls me to do. I'm set apart to be that follower of Christ that's learning more and more how to love God and how to love others. So when Paul says to us in Philippians chapter 3, I have not yet achieved this. I haven't arrived to where I know I need to be but I strive after it, Paul says. And I love that phrase he said at the very end. He said, so I forget the past. And for so many of us, that's so important. I've got to leave behind however I was, wherever I had previously been. And I want to move on to the future. And the best way for us to recognize that future is to keep looking towards Christ, is to keep looking towards Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith to recognize that He's calling us to love Him and to love others. And when we do that, when we love God more and more every single day, when we love God, uh, when we love neighbor more and more every single day, we begin to walk into that perfect love of God. I want to challenge you to go back and reflect on Matthew chapter 5, that passage that said, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Because what Jesus was saying there he was describing the love of God. He was describing how we must love our neighbors. And then ultimately he said, you need to be perfect, complete in your love of God and your love of neighbor, just like God is complete in the way God loves you. This is the per perfection that Paul is calling us to. And for we Wesleyan Christians, for anybody who wants to be on this journey of faith, Paul is simply saying to us, keep going. Don't stop. Keep growing in your understanding. Keep growing in your relationship with God. Keep growing in your love of people and of all of God's creation. I love the way John finally put it in his letter. In 1 John chapter 4, he says this, There is no fear in love. In fact, he goes on to say, But perfect love casts out fear. Taleo, complete love whole love, 
mature love. We cannot fear because what we do is we lose sight of God's perfect love for us. Friends, I want to call you and me to this perfection. It is possible. Even given all of our frailties, even given all of our sinful nature, even given all of the problems we have and sometimes create, we still can be made perfect in love because perfect love loves us. Perfect love helped forgive us. Perfect love helped us to claim God's mercy and grace. You see, every time grace is offered, every time love is shared, every time care is expressed, every time you help right a wrong, every time you help make the world a better place because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you are becoming perfect in God's love. Friends, I wish for you, for me, and for all of us that we would challenge ourselves to live in Tataleo, to become complete, to become whole in the way we love and in the way we share God's love in the world. And then you really will have the prize that Paul delivers. Thanks be to God that we have that possibility. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for your perfect child, Jesus, for his perfect, complete, whole love for the world. God, we have received it. We have been able to understand it. And now, God, as Paul reminds us, we have the opportunity to share it. So God, I pray that you would help us to become more mature, that you would challenge us, just like Paul did, to make ourselves in better relationship with you, to read your scripture, to pray to you, to seek out ways to serve others. And in all of that, we will be made more whole, and so will the world. What a precious gift, and that, God, we are grateful for. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hey, friends, you know, you can become even more mature and complete as you give and share generously with the world. I just want to say thanks for all you do every single week. It is an amazing gift for this church and for the community as we help transform hearts and renew minds for Jesus' sake. Friends, if you'd like to make a gift today, you can either capture the QR code that's on the screen or you can text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. Thanks for all you do. We really are grateful.